Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, on Friday, September 18th, 2020. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful place to do just that. The South Bay Show is brought to you by the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce. The Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce has been serving the city of Manhattan Beach for over 60 years, and they are dedicated to promoting a strong local economy by supporting the community, providing valuable business connections, and representing business with government. The Chamber staff is focused on providing its membership with the tools and resources to help businesses grow and thrive within the community. Their goal is to continually support the individual efforts of business as they work to support the growth of the local economy. For more information on how the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce is working with member businesses and the city of Manhattan Beach to support that growth, visit the website at manhattanbeachchamber.com or call 310-545-5313. I'm your host. Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. This is what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. Joining us as co-host, the president and CEO of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, Kelly Stroman, and of course with us because of our great partnership with South Bay by Jackie.com and executive producer of the South Bay Show, Jackie Balestra. Hey, Jackie, Kelly, how are you? Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Kelly. Uh, sun's out. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning and happy Friday. The sunshine is out. I see blue sky. Uh, skies are, you know, still around us, but um, definitely much better than it has been. I have yeah. not been able to keep... I haven't been able to keep track of these fires because there's so many of them. Is anything getting under control? Does anybody know? I I don't think so. Not yet. I mean, there's a little no, bit of containment. I, I've heard like a little, like you know, 10% containment here and there. But um, to my knowledge, none of the big ones um, are are yeah. near. In fact, I heard something a day or two ago that it was going to be at least another week before there was progress on some of the oh, northern boy, California right. fires. Yeah. So it's uh, you know what that means, One, Kelly? It's time for us to, to 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 break out our rain dance. We need some rain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we haven't the done one, that in a long time. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> the one the one that I that I'm watching, Jackie, is if I'm watching any fire, it's the one around Mount Wilson where Edwin Hubble yeah. discovered uh the uh shift in the uh, light of the universe, confirming uh, potentially, ultimately, uh, Einstein's theories of relativity. It happened on Mount Wilson. It cannot burn. It cannot burn. Joe? Yes. Joe, this isn't Nova. This isn't Nova. (laughs) Well, I'm just... I'm just... I'm just... Okay, let's reel it back in. I know. I know you get excited about these things. I know, I know. But uh, uh, we 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 got important things to talk about this morning. Uh, Kelly, you want to bring yep. us up to date on what's happening in Manhattan Beach? 
I do. It, it, it is all important. And Joe, I love you because you are our yeah. science and techno, techno geek <laughs> and, uh, and you own it very well. Uh, and it is important for sure. And, you know, just oh, I, on that God. note, I just want to give a, a nod and a shout out to all the first responders, uh, particularly right. the firemen that are out there on the fire lines fighting these horrendous fires everywhere. Uh, Manhattan Beach has sent a couple of strike teams um, from this area, from Manhattan Beach, um, up to, I, I believe, Northern California. So um, all, all firefighters, all reservists, everybody who's um, battling this um, and their families and everybody else, um, huge shout out. And to all the people in town, you know, everybody who, has, who have lost their homes, lost their businesses, um, you know, of course, our thoughts and prayers um, are with yeah. everyone. So, yes. Um, okay, uh, what is happening in Manhattan Beach? It's never dull, as I say, Manhattan Beach. Um, all the outdoor dining decks have um, officially expanded. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, that, that was, um, you know, the city council um, made parameters for that to happen. Now we're exploring shutting off part of Ocean Avenue down by the pier to allow the Strand House to expand in their alley fully without having to have cars drive by, and the same thing for Shellback. So uh, the city council, big shout-out to them. They are, uh, gosh, talk about calisthenics. They are constantly um, adapting and stretching in different ways to try to help these businesses all over town um, to survive, you know, and we were, we are, we're all, I think, realizing we're going to be in this for, you know, the next nine to 12 months, you know, uh, hopefully not more, but we don't know. And um, we're really trying to help all these businesses. So um, big shout out to the city for all their efforts. And of course, to all the planning department for making that happen. We have a couple of events coming up next week on September 23rd from 5 to 6 p.m. We're hosting a seminar with Connecta Wealth Management um, talking about, you know, managing your money during um, these most anomalous times and and making sure your money is secure uh, for your future generations, um, your children, your family, uh, you know, trusts and what you're doing and how you're organizing your money. So very interesting. It's free to the public. And you can sign up, go to the ManhattanBeachChamber.com website and sign up for that. Uh, we do ask that you sign up. And when you do, you will get the Zoom link. So that is next Wednesday, the 23rd from 5 to 6 p.m. And then uh, the big thing uh, taking shape in two weeks, we, the Chamber, um, is hosting a City Council Candidate Forum. We're not calling it a debate because we're not going to have the candidates going back and forth, back and forth. We have seven candidates running for three open seats in Manhattan Beach. And uh, two of the candidates are incumbents, Richard, Mayor Richard Montgomery and Councilman Steve Napolitano. Both are um, have served several terms throughout their life um, on city council. They're running for re-election. Nancy Hurstman is up for re-election, but she is not running. She is retiring, moving to Colorado, and um, going to be, you know, enjoying uh, 
um, a, you know, a peaceful calm. <laughs> Hopefully, <life. laughs> she's, been, she's been fantastic. She has served on the school board and planning commission and council and been, and been wonderful. So, and we have seven candidates, and the candidates range from um, two very young individuals in their early 20s who are residents of uh, Manhattan Beach, who have grown, one has grown up here, one is newer to the community, um, up to, you know, our incumbents and everything in between. So we're going to have a lively forum. I will be moderating it, asking the questions. And, uh, again, we encourage you to sign up for that also to reserve um, or to receive the Zoom link. That is on September 30th from... 6.30 to 8 p.m. We're doing it a little bit later in the evening to allow people, you know, who have to commute from their office, you know, to their kitchen and from the kitchen, you know, to the living room (laughs) Uh, to to get home. Uh, I kind of giggle at that because some people still are commuting, but a lot of people are commuting from room to room in their house. Um, Anyways, Mm -hmm. uh, in the evening, so hopefully the majority of uh, businesses and residents can tune into that. The questions will be focused, have a business focus to them since we are the Chamber of Commerce and we're, and we're focused on enhancing, um, you know, the business community. That will be the main focus. When you register um, on our website, you are able to, you know, um, send us a couple of questions or thoughts or categories that you would like us to ask or focus on and we're looking at all of those and obviously we only have 90 minutes for the forum so we're doing our best to kind of bring it all together and you know ask the most um, crucial questions for the business sector and trying to address everything but we don't you know we can't promise that we'll get to every single question because uh, that could go on for hours and hours and we all know we can all handle only so much zoom these days so um Two big events coming up. I encourage everybody to log on, go to ManhattanBeachChamber.com, and register for either or both of those. They are both free and open to everybody, Manhattan Beach or not. Um, The other big news is um, we all heard, you know, uh, gosh, the L.A. County Department of Health, health officer order on Halloween. Um, And I just want to make it clear, Halloween is not canceled. it's going to be modified, <laughs> just like everything else in 2020 has been modified. So, you, you know, Halloween's still here. You can still carve pumpkins. You can still dress up. Um, just the door-to-door trick-or-treat, particularly in Manhattan Beach, where it's such a big activity, where we have thousands of people who come into the walk streets and kind of the sand section area, um, that is not encouraged um, for, for obvious pandemic health safety reasons, but you can still dress up, have fun, decorate. Um, Love and Salt is going to be hosting a pumpkin carving contest. I'll share more of that information next week, Um, but there's a lot of little fun things cropping up like that. Um, The Sadly, the officially, the world-famous pumpkin race has been canceled. That makes everybody uh, sad. Thousands of people come down for that. Um, they're looking at doing kind of a virtual build your pumpkin type of fun event so people can still build pumpkins and race them down their driveway or with their maybe with their neighbors or something. Um, but the in-person pumpkin race is canceled, as is the in-person Skechers Friendship Walk. However, um, Skechers has been planning for over a month 
to go virtual with their walk that raises millions and millions of dollars for the schools in the South Bay. So still very important to support that. Um, and that information can be found in our latest newsletter and on our website also, or of course, um, Skechers. So those are the big things. We're still talking about Christmas and what that's going to look like. Uh, holiday open house and the pure lighting, what that is going to look like and fireworks. Um, those two events have not been officially canceled yet. We are monitoring them. We, um, the Downtown Business Association is really looking to do a modified open house on, on the weekend um, uh, a couple weeks before Thanksgiving versus the big event and party that we usually have in the streets that brings 10 to 15,000 people. That's just not viable this year or safe. Um, and we expect in the next two months that probably won't change, you know. So um, if, if it does change miraculously and we can have an event like that, they certainly will. But right now they're planning for a modified version of that. And right now Pete Moffitt and the fireworks show is uh, they're planning behind the scenes and hoping by December they'll be able to have some sort of fireworks show. But, again, that brings usually 50,000 people to the greater downtown yeah. area, including all the parties and the homes and the Strand and the beach. And that probably won't happen on that scale either. But those two events are still we're, – we're working on adapting them. So, um, you know, and with that being said um, – you know, there are other little um, little rainbows and little, you know, silver linings that are happening around town. We have a couple new businesses that have opened. We're going to um, have little mini ribbon cuttings. And, you know, there are businesses that have closed, too. But there are, you know, there are little things that are opening. And uh, we're trying to adapt, um, you know, and keep up with the times. So that's my update um, for you. You know, some exciting things and some things that we just have to know this year are going to be different. 2020, the lost year. Uh, you know, yeah. I've already coined, I think, I don't know if we talked about it, but, you know, the Grinch that stole 2020 is kind of our theme for the holiday season. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, it's just going to be different. Um, but, hey, you know, we are here and uh, we can't give up and we just got to, you know, keep um, adapting and changing to the times and hopefully plow through this and, you know, get to the other side and be better people and, you know, have better practices because of it. So, anywho, that's what I've got for you. All right. All right. Well, we've got a big that's show true. today, Joe, so uh, shall we just jump right into it? Let's do it, Jackie. Who are our guests today? Okay, our guests this morning are Dr. Jeff Trenkel, CEO of the Los Angeles Center for Ear, Nose, Throat, and Allergy, and Lauren Trenkel, PA, MPH, CEO of Total Testing Solutions. Now, Dr. Jeff Trenkel is the founder and CEO of the LA Center for Ear, Nose, Throat, and Allergy. For the last five years, the practice has grown from one location in East Los Angeles to six locations across Los Angeles. During the start of the pandemic, the company pivoted to provide much-needed testing for the community. Now, Dr. Trenkel is the co-founder of Total Testing Solutions, along with his wife, Lauren. Now, Total Testing Solutions provides customized testing to businesses looking to reopen and stay open during the pandemic. Now, Lauren Trenkel is the co-founder and CEO of Total Testing Solutions. She has a double master's in physician assistant and public health. 
She has been the chief operating officer for the Los Angeles Center for Ear, Nose, Throat, and Allergy for the last three years. At the start of the pandemic, she helped transition the medical practice to provide testing for the underserved community of L.A., As a business owner, she realized the impact the pandemic was having on local businesses and created a custom testing solution to help businesses reopen and stay open during the pandemic. Her background in public health and medical operations has helped her grow the company quickly and provide much-needed relief to those struggling with finding testing options. Now, with the numerous state, county, and local mandates and various reopening requirements, testing is more important than ever before. Our guests are going to fill us in on best preventative practices for testing employees, and how to keep both staff and clients safe. Lauren, Jeff, welcome to the program. We're so glad you could join us this morning. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Hello. There you are. There you are. Thank you. Thank you for joining us because we're very excited to learn more about your operations uh, and the transitions. Uh, let Let me start with you, Lauren. This is a, you know, this is a unique time in the history of our country and the world in, in general. Uh, tell us about that transition. And is it something that is sustainable, do you think? Is this going to go on? Is total testing solutions here for, for the duration? I think so. I think what it did, I think what the pandemic did is it opened our eyes to a lot of the um, the opportunities that we had in medicine to make changes and to grow um, in the in the care that we can provide companies and the care we can provide people in terms of just screening opportunities, uh, make it easier to provide just general health care, even in just simple things like the flu, um, things that people, you know, actually are concerned about, you know, flu season comes around every year. It's something that people do get concerned about. And then we overflood ERs, we overflood urgent cares, things, and we can make it a lot simpler for people to seek care for a very centralized problem. Um, and we can take that burden off of people, you know, showing up and, overcrowding our ERs and our hospitals, you know, and, and that aspect of things and using telemedicine even um, and not getting others sick and showing up, coughing, you know, sneezing, whatever it may be, um, and mm-hmm. not, you know, leaving our cars or our homes or getting others sick at the workplace. Right, 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 right. And, and Jeff, uh, when we talk about, you know, uh, medicine in the age of COVID, there are many aspects to it. Can you give us, first of all, uh, uh, just give us an overview of what is the Los Angeles Center for Ear, Nose, Throat, and Allergy, and then how has your practice changed? Yeah, to to piggyback off what Lauren said, I think that uh, she made that those are great points and so true. And we're really hoping that we can help transition kind of the way care is given in all aspects. Obviously, our practice with ENT is more subspecialized, but preventative medicine is something we do so poorly traditionally in this country and is what really led to a lot of the downfalls and the problems that we had during the beginning of the pandemic. So hopefully we can use this you know, terrible uh, 
um, event to to really make some really good changes for the future. As for our normal practice with ENT, um, you know, we're a general ear, nose, and throat practice, and we, we started about five years ago, and we, we have we started kind of uh, in a very underserved area of East Los Angeles, and we we uh, we really noticed that there was just a terrible void in really good ENT care, not just in the underserved, but all throughout Los Angeles, obviously. And so we kind of made it our purpose to try to fill that void as best we could within the communities. Obviously, we have great centers at you know UCLA, USC, Cedar Sinai, but the general community does not have really good. Uh, ENT care. It's very outdated. So our practice has uh, made it its mission to kind of bring a university caliber care to the community, not just the underserved, uh, but all all sorts of affluent communities as well, and just kind of try to bring um, ENT care into the 21st century, so to speak, uh, creating a a better, you know, online system, a much uh, more smooth transition into getting your care, getting your results, etc. So um, as far as how we uh, came into, you know, testing and, and how we helped transition. Realistically, it came at the beginning of the pandemic because, you know, just like everyone else in medicine, all other businesses, nobody was coming in to see us, and rightly so. We we stayed open throughout the entire pandemic because we wanted to be uh, accessible to those having things like ear infections and acute sinus infections and things they did not want to go to the emergency room for. So we utilized, um, we leveraged that company to help provide telehealth services uh, to people seeking care for coronavirus and that just wanted answers. So we, that's generally how we started. Lauren was really the, the catalyst for that. And she, she drove the ship and, and transitioned her practice into being able to provide telehealth. And we used all of our providers because we have about nine providers that we did not want to furlough and we didn't want to furlough our staff either. So that's kind of how the ENT practice transitioned in. And then, you know, post-COVID, or not post-COVID, but post uh, um, us all having to kind of stay inside and people being able to come out, we've had to obviously make the same changes that everyone else is with social distancing, kind of spacing things out, trying to transition more into telehealth for people that don't necessarily need it. Um, and uh, that has been a pretty big transition for pretty much everyone in medicine, and, and we're definitely no exception. Um, but it's it's a change that actually has made our practice better in the end just because I think we're providing services we otherwise may never have provided um, if it weren't for the pandemic. And, and this is, this is a, a hot topic. I mean, there are some new businesses. I mean, we've, we've interviewed a few that, uh, that are uh, obviously involved in disinfecting uh, uh, mm-hmm. companies uh, and so forth that, that we've talked with. And so in this case, total testing solutions is a solution for the future. I mean, this is not the last pandemic, is it? I don't think so. I think this was a small wave before what could be a a bigger one. This was, when you talk to other people who study things along along these lines, other epidemiologists, which we, I mean, wow, have I met a lot of people along the way as well um, in this journey. Uh, You know, they always talk about how this was just one small hiccup before something bigger. Like when people talk about pandemics, this wasn't the one that 
people were actually preparing for. They were preparing for something much worse and much something much grand, you know, grander than this. So um, I think when we experienced it, this, it was almost an eye. It should be an eye-opening uh, moment for all of us to prepare for something bigger. You know, Lauren, I, know I have to jump in. I have to, I have to jump in here. That what you just told me is very scary because if if what you say about people were preparing for something much bigger, boy, are mm-hmm. we in trouble! And thank God something smaller came along because nobody was prepared mm-hmm. for this. You know, not the government. You know, certainly not the government. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I know that scientists and doctors are always, you know, on the case when it comes to to pandemics and, and diseases and stuff. But from the very beginning, when this started, from the very beginning, I, I, I said to everybody, you know, this is a learning experience. You know, this is a learning experience. This is, it's not the first pandemic, but it's the first big one in 100 years that, that has affected everybody. I, I know there was swine flu and other things, but for some reason, those things didn't hit that this that this is getting, you know? Um, so, so on the one hand, I'm thinking, okay, learning experience, this is good. What's interesting, what I always found is interesting is, you know, uh, the federal government left it up to the states to handle it the way they wanted to. And within every state, every county did everything differently. So, you know, there are hundreds of different tactics people took to combat this. And hopefully when we get through it, in the after action reports, they'll be able to pinpoint the ones that work the best. But that's scary to think that that the people in the know were were expecting something much bigger. That that scares me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You yeah, know, but to, to try and put a, a silver lining on that is that um, this is the pandemic has really changed the way that um, we're looking at medicine in general. Obviously, from the public side as well as you know, a lot of medicine already felt this way, but preventative medicine is just so important and it's so uh, under-practiced here. And one real big benefit is that, you know, sadly, obviously, we, the way things advance is by following the money, unfortunately, but that's why, you know, our cell phones have advanced so much in the last 10 years, but medicine has pretty much gone backwards. You know, all the money is in the tech. Well, the good news for all of this is that tech has met medicine and tech is jumping in pretty pretty much with both feet and we're seeing a that's a silver lining is that hopefully medicine will change for the better over the course of the next five years and when, uh, you, I think, when you yes go ahead Joe Jackie? no you go ahead go ahead no you go ahead they're a little bit just at the end the last uh, I would say three four seconds of what you said. Could you oh, sorry, repeat your last statement? Um, yeah, I was just uh, stating that basically the, the, the nice, the one silver lining here is that the tech industry has really jumped in with both feet. And um, we're hoping that that, that tech meeting uh, medicine will really help advance medicine, you know, for the better. And it was already, we were starting to see it with, you know, all the different self-monitors that you see, your Apple Watch being able to provide you so with information, aura rings, et cetera. But now hopefully this will be much more commonplace uh, that they start to really insert themselves into preventative medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
that is a big transition and a big uh, potential for the future. Uh, smart watches uh, being able to, well, do uh, constant EKGs and uh, obviously monitor. I think the, the latest version of the Apple Watch just released a few days ago uh, can monitor uh, blood oxygen levels, which is amazing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I have a question. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, Lauren, maybe. Uh, how, what is, is there any new trend in testing? Um, you know, we've been in this for over six months. Um, you know, at, for, at the very beginning, you know, everybody wanted to, to kind of know if they had antibodies. It was like so quick. And then yeah. you know, we started <laughs> testing for the, right? And then we started testing for the virus. And everybody was scrambling to get that. And then it was widely available. And then I think the system got a little bit overwhelmed in the summer with the surge kind of in, you know, mid-July. And uh, some people were trying to test before they went back to work. I mean, there's been such a roller coaster from my vantage point and looking at it uh, and the calls that we get uh, in testing, let's just say, behavior. Um, What? What are you guys seeing on your end? You know, have you seen a difference in in need or even kind of panic or uh, you know, kind of where were we and where are we now with um, with testing? Well, I mean, generally people at this point just want to know whether they have it or they don't, um, and so that brings us to the types of testing that we can utilize with the labs, and that's. Uh, and they're using, I mean, probably the best way to say it in terms of like the trends, uh, what's popular right now, it'd be the rapid tests and the pooling, which um, the, is the type of testing that labs are utilizing. And I can let Jeff answer a little bit more about the pooling uh, that labs are just starting to roll out a little bit more now. Jeff, do you want to answer? Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, unfortunately, there's not a significant amount of uh, new things that are coming out other than the way in which they run the same types of tests to try and make it faster. Um, but PCR testing is by far still the standard of care for testing. Um, what we see a lot of articles about and what we get a lot of inquiries about um, from some of the people looking for testing is, is a technique called pooling, um, which is not incredibly well explained to the general public. Pooling is basically where we combine let's say four or five different tests into one pool and test them all together. That way, if they're all negative, you know it's negative. Um, but if one is positive, you don't know which one, so you have to retest them all. So the, the reason why that is a hot topic is the thought process is if you pool test, you can test more quickly, like more people at one time. And then secondarily, that it could potentially decrease the cost because that's obviously a huge burden for, for businesses, which is who are, you know, um, are, are really after this is like, how do we decrease the cost uh, to be able to do screening testing uh, to prevent outbreaks within our workplace? The unfortunate part is that the pooling technique does dilute down the sample a small amount. Um, so that has to be taken into consideration how many can be pooled together. And the second part, and, and that also has its own flaws because when we're screening people, we need to be as accurate as possible because there's already a very small viral load. But um, secondarily, there's a lot of bandwidth issues 
front end and back end of trying to gather the samples, get them into one pool, and then release all the results individually, which um, is where the, the labs have the most uh, problem and why it's really challenging for a lot of them to decrease cost at all. So unfortunately, there's a lot of articles and things like the New York Times or LA Times that you know, mention pooling as a technique. Uh, it drives a lot of curiosity or thought process that maybe this can be an answer to get the test prices down. But uh, from a lab perspective, it doesn't change a lot or it's very challenging for them. And so it's still not quite there yet. Um, so, Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff, I'm sorry. Um, Joe, before we go to, to station break, we have a caller that has a question yes. for Dr. Jeff. Yes. Um, Lauren, um, you're on the air. Um, you have a question? Yeah, hi. This is Rachel, actually. Um, I just wanted to Rachel, hear sorry. Rachel, <laughs> no worries. Hear uh, their perspective being in healthcare, um, particularly on contact tracing. And um, as you're speaking about, like, tech in healthcare, I was just curious if you thought that's something that's, like, entirely beneficial for COVID, or is there any kind of, like, line with patient privacy that you think shouldn't be crossed in regards to contact tracing? Good question. Yeah. Dr. Jeff, yeah, no, you want to take um, that? You know, uh, yeah, obviously, contact tracing is, is a very challenging thing um, for, for all of us just because, you know, it, it does rely completely on the uh, on the patient to provide all that stuff. Now, I think what the caller is asking is, can tech help us improve contact tracing? And the answer is obviously yes. You know, if if we were to be able to develop apps that um, you know do geo tracking and can tell us where we are, uh, that can definitely provide a lot of answers for when someone is positive to immediately you know ping all the users. Uh, that were anywhere in their surrounding area or within six feet, et cetera, to, um, to alert them that they were in contact with someone who was positive. Um, the question really lies in, number one, could we get something that every single person would be using, which would be a, a challenge in and of itself? Number two, uh, does it violate honesty. people's privacy? <laughs> yeah, does it violate people's privacy too, which is, I think, part of what the concern is there, which that's a hard one to answer, uh, but probably yes. Um, and number three, would it be uh, excessive? I, and I think that would be hard to tell just because are we, you know, how would we perform kind of a, a double-blinded uh, study or, or some sort of legitimate study that tells us that that actually prevents, you know, or, or improves, um, improves uh, decreasing like an, an outbreak. So I think contact tracing is a big challenge, and the biggest part is that it, it does take kind of manual labor right now. So there has to be some happy medium where a some sort of app could help us with that. But um, I, I don't know what the, you know, obviously the answer is for that. But I think, I think there's probably some sort of middle ground, and I'm assuming there are many people out there already working hard trying to develop those apps and become first to market. There, there is. There are. And we've been approached by them. It's just... Um, getting people to agree to be part of it has been also a difficult task. Yes, yes. Well, thank you, Rachel. We appreciate the question. Um, Joe, we have to go to uh, station break. We're a little late. Yes. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the South Bay Show. We come to you every uh, Thursday morning uh, with the uh, South Bay Spotlight and every Friday morning with uh, the uh, – Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, proudly sponsored by the Manhattan Beach Chamber. 
focused on all the same things, both Thursday and Friday, but on Friday, of course, with a special emphasis on the uh, boundaries of Manhattan Beach proper, the city, and the members of the Manhattan Beach Chamber. Uh, we're proud to bring uh, all the best uh, news, uh, uh, local information, hyper local information to you and of course we're available via all of the smart speakers around you alexa and siri and google just say uh you know hey smart speaker um play the south bay show and you'll get the latest the absolute latest show so thank you for joining us today and with that we will continue um jackie do you have a a, a follow-on question for, yeah, uh, yes, Dr. Yes, Trinkle. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I have a couple of thoughts here. Um, I have a couple of thoughts here. Um, first off, I wanted to mention that um, when this all started, uh, LA County Department of Health set up these testing centers um, throughout throughout the county, and um, we if we had one eventually move into the South Bay. Um, it was over at uh, uh, Beach City's Health District campus. They yeah, yeah. Well, it, it started at the gallery, I guess, and then they moved it over to the BCHD right. campus. Um, and and in my in my weekend guide every thir- that comes out every Thursday, I was listing uh, I listed that information, and there were several times that um, I just 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 for the heck of it, I tried to um, get an appointment. Um, and it, and it was just swamped. It was it was actually worse than the DMV <laughs> when when mm-hmm. this all started. Uh, you couldn't get an appointment to save your life. But Kelly, I noticed in your newsletter that comes out, you you be- a while ago you began listing uh, several places where people can get tested because at first it was just the county, and then um, I guess some of the uh, uh, walk-in uh, urgent care places started doing it um and then eventually i guess the testing kits got to the private doctors and stuff but kelly you have a nice list of places where people can go to get tested so i just i just it's it's in your your newsletter so i i just wanted to mention that um and dr jeff to your point about how uh, medicine how this is changing things a lot for the better boy oh boy it's happening in every industry across the board not just industry government you know, uh, how people are working regular, you know, people that go into an office every day, you know, people were people were hesitant to allow people to work from home, you know, for a long, long time. And, you know, even though we had the technology now, now it's amazing. All the people I'm talking to people, people I know that have say they have 10,000 square feet of office space. They're like, we don't need that anymore. People can work from home you know, efficiently and effectively, you know, so we're going to, we're not going to, we're not going to resign that 10,000 lease. We only need 2000 square feet. You know, um, it's, it's just happening across the board. Education, you know, is, you know, a lot of people I've spoken to have said that, you know, maybe this is a good thing, you know, let's blow it up and start from scratch. Um, but I'm already seeing it in medicine. Um, my doctor uh, for, well, just before this started, actually, we started doing the teleconferencing. So I would go in to the lab to to get my have my blood taken, and when she would get the results, we'd set up a conference call. Um, so you know, I didn't have to go in and see her. Uh, so so it, it it's it's changing it's changing everything uh, 
A lot of it good. Um, a lot of it we're still scrambling to figure out. And as you said, Dr. Jeff, the, the tech aspect of it is bringing a lot to the table. So those are just a couple of thoughts I had. Anybody want to comment on it? Yeah. <laughs> medicine was pretty antiquated um, in some aspects, you know, especially before all this. And I think we are making the right strides to move in the, in the right directions where, you know, like before our phone lines would be so backed up, you know, everybody calls for the appointment. Now we're trying to really move in that direction where we encourage people to make appointments online, to make their Zoom appointments um, and to, you know, move in all, like even get your lab work done online and go over those things that you were just mentioning with your, uh, with your doctor instead of like come instead of coming in, um, and also you know making things available to your home, or, you know making medicine available to come to you, which almost seems backwards. You know, like a, a physician coming to your house, like house house calls, but um, you could do those things in your place of work now. That's what yeah. we offer as a company, PTS. And the productivity that you don't lose anymore because you don't have to go out for a four-hour visit. I know that sometimes, you know, as a practice, we get backed up and people wait in a waiting room. How many times have people waited in a doctor's office for in an hour even to be seen? Those, those things can be gone if we are bringing medicine and doing regular things at your place of work. Just, you know, preventative health care that we can bring to you. Um, Lauren, those are all things that we Lauren, can improve I, on. I wonder if you couldn't give us a 45 second commercial for TTS. What are the big <laughs> sort of issues that people want to solve that TTS solves? You're on. I mean, it's, General health care, uh, your blood checking. Oh, my gosh. You are really putting me on the spot here. You know, I, I know. I can't, I'm, so, I'm not the marketing person. Uh, let's see. You know, <laughs> Jeff, want to throw, how, throw me a bone, Jeff. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I'll bring it. No, one, the, the thing that Total Testing Solution is really trying to bring to the table here is um, providing, especially right now, is COVID-19 testing for workplaces and doing that in a manner that is accessible to all. So we'll be able to provide people with either weekly screening, daily screening, monthly screening, however they want, or if uh, they can't afford screening because screening is not covered by insurance being able to provide a telehealth service that's available to all employees at a very, very low charge so that those employees have access to that telehealth service at any time and can get free testing through their insurance, either to their home uh, at a local site, or we can even mobilize to the business uh, if there's a potential breakout. Um, that's kind of the idea of total testing solutions and what we're doing right now this second. Um, and long-term, it's really about but what the idea you guys are just is describing. Yes, yeah, is to be well, able I, to bring more than just uh, COVID testing. Uh, Joe, I don't think we, we need hypertension a, uh, prevention. Yeah, sorry, I yeah, I don't, 
I don't think we need a commercial, Joe. I think the tie, the name of the company, Total Testing Solutions, kind of says it all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do hypertension. You could do uh, vision. You could do just even general, as we were talking about in the beginning, flu, cold season, all those things that we try to – we have to go in regularly, monthly, to make sure that we're keeping up with. Um, we can bring it to you. And they're not long doctor's visits. It's, it's, you know, you go in, you get your blood pressure, you do a, a vision check, you do, you know, very tests that you can do out of a van, or not necessarily a van, like an RV, something that can be brought to you, um, but needs to be done regularly. But right now, people have to drive all over town and then wait in a room. But if we brought it to your place of business, it could be done for everybody. You know, that's so interesting, Lauren, what you said about the waiting rooms and doctor's office. My GP, their office, they have this huge waiting room. Um, and, and, and you're right. You're right. That, that, that's one of the things that really annoys people the most. You know, you, you have a, a two o'clock appointment, you get there a couple of minutes early and you're sitting there for a half an hour waiting and, you know, uh, time is money for everybody. Uh, um, I, yeah, I could totally see that. And, that, and again, that goes back to, uh, do you really need all that space? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that. You're right. You're absolutely right. That's going to the telemedicine is going to change all that dramatically. And again, I think for the better. And absolutely. They're, and Tony, they're, those, those general practitioners. They are some of the hardest working people. They see all, you know, they are the ones that are making sure that that general practice, they're keeping, if they're doing their job right, they're keeping those people out of the ER. And if everybody's going and seeing their GP, they're making sure that all those issues aren't piling up so those people aren't showing up in the ER with all those major issues. Yes. And then we're using our healthcare system the right way. And not incorrectly. Yes. And we're doing everybody yes. through. We got to get people out of the ERs. That's that. that that's uh. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, somebody met. You mentioned Lauren house calls. Joe Kelly or even Doctor Jeff Lauren. Have any of you ever, when you were kids, do you remember having a doctor come to the house? Anybody I do. remember? I, I do. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I do. Um. Our general practitioner, I remember it vividly. I, uh, gosh, I was in kindergarten, so I guess my memory uh, vitamins are working. Um, I, <laughs> I had scarlet fever. Remember those days? Talk about you know, oh yeah, yes. wow. and you had to be like right. in your room in the dark. You had you know, and I remember our GP coming to the house to check in on me, probably my parents, <laughs> but um, yes. And he came one other time uh, for my brother. Um, I remember that vividly. I haven't, I haven't heard. Well, now I guess in a way that has um, shifted Come into concierge. Well, uh, into yeah. concierge doctor. Yeah, because yeah. in those days, I, well, I was. It might have existed, but I wasn't aware of it. I don't, don't think my parents had ever heard of it. And you know, now we have kind of the concierge doctor. Um, that can come to your house or treat the whole family or whatever too. So, yes, house calls. House yeah, calls. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah, I, thought. You know, we uh, we were part of one one of the offerings that we do with Total Testing Solutions and also with our ENT is try to do concierge medicine. But 
One thing we found as a problem with concierge medicine is, as the name implies, it's very concierge. So it's only available to so many people. And for businesses, that's really a, a challenge. You can't offer your employees, you know, concierge testing. And so part of the idea is how do we, how do we bridge the gap between, you know, people that can afford to have a doctor drive specifically to them at a very high cost to how do we make this available to general businesses trying to stay open, providing a benefit to their employee, et cetera. And that's where I think telehealth is going to help us bridge that gap because what we can provide is the availability of telehealth at a moment's notice using, you know, uh, centralized physician assistants and nurse practitioners and other, and other uh, providers that are very, you know, well-versed in, in what's needed uh, from a primary care standpoint uh, to then be able to provide the home services as, such as phlebotomists, people coming for testing at home kits, whether it's saliva, urine, et cetera, and, and partnering with labs to help provide those answers. And that can all be done very inexpensively because you can utilize and, uh, you know, and leverage your health insurance you're already providing for your employees. So that's kind of the vision that we have with Total Testing Solutions is to provide, provide a concierge service to, to people at a very, very low cost uh, um, and utilizing their health insurance to, to bridge the gap so that any business can now afford it. It doesn't matter if you have five employees or you have 500 employees. Hmm. I like That's it. That's what I was I like looking it. for um, in terms of a, uh, a commercial Concierge that was your commercial. I was just going to say, there's the commercial. <laughs> Inexpensive prices. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I like it. That would be it. That, I want yeah. um, uh, <laughs> uh, give to us, give us your uh, – how can people contact you? Give us website address. Give, how can people learn more about um, the Center for Ear, Nose, Throat, and Allergy and Total Testing Solutions? Uh, websites would probably be the best. So – CoronavirusTestingLA.com, all one word, and LAENT.com. All right, that's easy. CoronavirusTestingLA. Yeah. That's a nice. That's a very good URL. For, Joe. We also yes. have another one for businesses looking for our services. Uh, if you're a business mm-hmm. looking for a service, it's just COVIDTTS.com. So www.COVIDTTS.com. And that's how you inquire about, you know, the services that we've kind of talked about here. All right. All right. Whoa, Joe, Joe's very excited about, about that URL. He, Joe gets excited about URLs like that. COVID TTS. <laughs> yes. COVID TTS. That could be a t-shirt. That could be a t-shirt. COVID TTS. There you go. We're taking it all over our Instagram. You can find us on Instagram as well. <laughs> um, I'd like I'd like to know. I, I noted in the introduction that you started at one location in East Los Angeles. Where are your other locations now? We're uh, in yeah, downtown the LA. Uh, I'm sorry. Ahead, Our ENT locations are downtown LA. We're in Glendale. We're in Hollywood and Montebello. And we'll wow. be opening up in Huntington Park. Uh, in the next ten days, nine days. Wow! And coming Ooh. soon to coming soon to the South Bay, though we'll hopefully be in the South yeah. Bay because both we're of us lo- are residents we're here. We're looking for a place. <laughs> oh. Yay! Yes. I like that. That's music to my ears. But let, they are residents of Manhattan Beach too. They live here, so uh, right. very important to note. They love the South Bay. 
We yeah. we know the old story, <laughs> Kelly. We know the story. Just about everybody we've ever had on this show over the course of nine years. Once you get here, you don't want to leave. Yep. <laughs> right? No. That is That's very true. There's something yes, in the water everybody, here. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody figures hey. out a way. They're living here and they decide they don't want to commute to downtown or the west side anymore and they figure out a way to make it happen here. We love that. <laughs> um, I have a question. Speaking of water, something being something being in the water, uh that made me remember since we have nine minutes left. Um just your thoughts. Uh, any anything on a lot of the colleges across the United States, and I'm sure maybe other organizations, maybe you know, are are testing um, the wastewater in the dorms and other facilities uh, for the virus, and that's how they're helping to control infection outbreaks, particularly in dormitories, as um, the college population has moved back, you know, into uh, on-campus life. Um, they've been testing, you know, um, the wastewater for um, COVID-19, which I, you know, uh, had not heard of. And then all of a sudden started hearing that. And I was like, wow, that's amazing that they can do that. Um, and then they go in and, you know, when they find it, then they have everybody in the, in the dorm tested and what have you. But um, what do you guys think of that? And are there any other, you know, little um, – secret testing procedures out there that are happening. I mean, groundbreaking, because when I first heard that, I was like, what? And I'm like, okay, that makes total sense. But anyways, uh, what are your thoughts on that, uh, Jess? Yeah, you know, that's uh, somewhat news to my ears as well. I've I've not, I had not heard of that. I've not read any studies, um, you know, in regards to how, how much viral load is in water. I, I would imagine that they're not doing it unless they have really good data on it. And um, anywhere that we can we can kind of screen for it uh, makes a lot of sense, and, and this one obviously is, is a large one. I guess the idea being to try to prevent um, spread, you know, through that filtrate through the water system. The only issue, I guess, with that, at least in my perspective, is um, is that I don't know that that really necessarily changes the need to test the students as well, or you know, the people that are actually there, just because it's not the only way of spread. But it, it definitely can't hurt, you know especially if they're finding that there's their ability to, to find SARS-CoV-2 virus within the water system, that would, I mean, that would be a huge prevention because that would stop a large scale outbreak, which would, um, you know, within, within a population. Right. Well, and I think that was the intent and I, you know, I, um, well, who knows? I mean, there's so much paperwork and so many things you have to read and sign, you know, at the beginning of the semester and what have you, but I don't know if um, any of us were, told that in advance or that was in the fine lighting and, and not that it bothers me at all. And um, my youngest son um, is a senior in college and he doesn't live in the dorms or on campus. So it doesn't necessarily apply to him, but um, I know his school um, did it and I know Univer- um, Boulder did it. And I, I've heard it various other places across the United States. And uh, you know, every school had their different protocol as the students returned to campus and on campus campus living or brand new freshmen coming in, um, I've, you know, some had to have a, a negative test, you know, within 72 hours of arriving to, for check-in. Others were tested, you know, on campus as they arrived, rapid testing before they were even allowed to move into their, uh, their on-campus housing. 
And there's all different kind of forms of that. Um, some had to, uh, even though they were tested, they had to quarantine, like, for a solid 14 days. It was some of the smaller private schools did that. Um, even if they were had a negative test, they quarantined everybody as they arrived on campus. And um, some schools took the quarantine, like, the food was delivered, you know, to their dorm room. Others, which I found interesting, uh, they allowed the kids to go to to the, um, you know, the dining hall to get their food. I'm like, well, that kind of defeats the, the purpose of quarantine. But uh, I'm not running new schools, and I, I'm, I'm not here to judge. Uh, but then when I heard about, you know, how they all of a sudden started catching, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the wastewater and then immediately going in and testing that door, I was fascinated. I was like, wow. Um, that's amazing. And I don't know about the viral load and how, but I think, you know, when they caught the wastewater coming out of those dorms and there was, a, you know, whatever level for them triggered it, they would go in and literally test the entire dorm. And that's when they were finding maybe whatever, one or two or three kids, whatever it was. And then they were quarantining them and, you know, going from there. And I don't know overall effectiveness, you know, how infected were the other people around them if they, you know, already done that. But, um, I just found that fascinating, and I, I would imagine there will be, perhaps that practice will be more widely used. Yeah, would, you know, in, a, in other categories. In those situations, it makes sense because what you're doing is you have a small group of people um, that you don't want to necessarily have to test every single day or week, etc. Because of cost, if you can test like the fecal matter um, water, which definitely there's viral load in, in feces and you can at least get a small viral load, then, oh, okay, well, someone in the dormitory has or someone in this population has it, so now let's test everyone. Uh, so that right. makes sense as a screening process for sure. Uh, it obviously mm -hmm. just only applies to very very specific um, uh, areas, but I guess you could apply it to businesses as well. <laughs> Your office building, interesting. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, yeah, it is I wonder if people have to I mean, consent to that, though. Yeah, I would imagine so. Well, well and that's, well, I, I don't know, you know, because, I mean, let's, let's just say whatever. Some dorms have, you know, 500 kids. Some have 100. There's all different levels and businesses. But I guess they can't pinpoint, you know, from the water to, you know, there's, so I guess there's no privacy involved in that. But then, obviously, when you go in and do rapid testing or whatever, there's privacy issues involved in that. But, anyways, it's amazing what science <laughs> and medicine and, right. and testing can what do. What can you do? Test your the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we learned a lot. We learned a lot. Kelly, I didn't even know the kids were going back to, to, to the dorms. I, I, I thought everything was going to be online for colleges. I had no idea they were even going back. You know what? It's a mixed, it's a mixed bag. Um, Jackie, some, uh, right. some schools are 100% online, but they've allowed people to come back onto campus. Um, some are mixed, you know, hybrid between online and in person, depending on your major. Like, you know, you have to have labs or certain things. Um, uh, it, it, you know, some were told, some out-of-state students or out-of-country students were told not to come back um, to be 100% online. It is completely um, mixed, you know, for every campus, that's for sure. But, yes, there is Interest. online. It, but online, but in person or on campus going on for sure. Wow. Right. All right. Well, <clears throat> we learned a lot, but uh, Joe, it's time to wrap this up. Yeah. Well, it, it, fantastic, fascinating uh, conversation. And I want to thank uh, uh, Rachel for calling in. 
thank you. Uh, we love callers. Uh, we hope to have more of those in the future. Uh, Dr. Jeff Trinkle and Lauren Trinkle, uh, Total Testing Solutions, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, thank for, you having for having us. us. Thank you. It's, it was wonderful, wonderful discussion. And um, there you go. We're, we're looking forward to a wonderful, fantastic weekend. Uh, thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Jackie. Always a pleasure, Joe. Thank you, Joe, Jackie, and uh, Jeff and Lauren. Thanks for taking time out of your very, very busy schedule um, and um, being with us this morning. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show for today. Please uh, have a safe and uh, happy weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye now.